Welcome to The Important Part, Investing with Liz Young. I'm Liz Young, Head of Investment Strategy at SoFi, here to help cut through the large amount of information out there about investing and get to the important part. With the help of my guests, you'll gain valuable insights, new perspectives, and the knowledge to confidently make your investment decisions. Welcome back, everybody, to The Important Part. This is our last episode of 2023, and it is a good one. Talking about the consumer, talking about holiday spending, talking about just retail spending in general throughout the year, because as we know, the consumer has been the standout star of 2023. And to bring us all of her expertise, we have Courtney Reagan. Courtney is CNBC's senior retail reporter. In addition to her coverage of the retail business spanning everything from traditional stores to e-commerce distribution centers, Courtney also contributes to market coverage at the New York Stock Exchange, NASDAQ Market Site, and New York Mercantile Exchange. She's interviewed the CEOs of companies like Walmart, Target, Home Depot, and plenty of others. With that, let's get to the interview. Courtney, thank you so much for joining me on this December episode. I am super pumped. I mean, I get pumped about all my episodes, but I am super pumped about this one because we are at the end of a year where everything seems to be revolving around the consumer. And I have a rock star retail reporter on this pod to tell me all about what's happening in holiday shopping. Just so everybody knows, we are recording this on December 5th. So we've got all of the Black Friday, Cyber Monday stuff, and we're part of the way through it. So Thank you again for joining me. Welcome to The Important Part. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. So given that this is a December episode, obviously we're going to talk all about the holiday stuff. But I do want to start with the full year of 2023. We've seen a surprise amount of consumer spending. That's been a huge story this year. What's your what's your vibe check on how that's gone? I mean, there's been obviously a ton more spending than usual. How are companies managing it? How have you seen it? Just give us the overall sense of how you think the year has gone. Yeah, I mean, you've heard it probably from a lot of people that study this space, but I think the word of the year when it comes to the consumer is resilience. I am absolutely shocked at how strong the consumer has continued to perform post-pandemic. I mean, I think when coming out of the pandemic, when we had more opportunities to start spending again, whether in-store or online, consumers really showed up. And I think there's certainly been a category shift where we had bought a lot of outdoor goods or goods for our homes to make them more comfortable, whether for work or play. And so we've shifted into other types of buying. And I think some of that is not necessarily goods, right? It's travel, it's leisure, it's reconnecting with people, whether it's in-person work events, whether it's vacations with family, that's all still consumer spending, even if it's not good. So the resilience has been so surprising, especially in the face of the resumption of student loan payments, continually higher interest rates. Inflation, yes, abating, but prices are still higher than they were several years ago, at least in many categories, especially categories like in the home, uh, what we spend on electricity, food, things like that, that you you can't go without. Um, Certainly there are areas where prices have come down, but it's not everywhere. Consumers are still very much aware of it. They're grumbling about it, but they're still spending. It's really been fairly astonishing. And I think so far in the early goings of this holiday season, it's seemingly outperformed what I would call muted expectations. 
Yeah, well, that's true. We'll get we'll get to that a little bit later. Do you think, though, any of this is still revenge spending or is it is it just resilience? Is it just that consumers are they're back in the game? They're still employed. They've got more money than we thought they did. And they're okay with spending it because they're not worried about their employment situation. Or is there still revenge or even maybe a little thread of keeping up with the Joneses? Everybody started traveling. So now I need to travel. Everybody went to Europe. I want to go to Europe, right? Like all that stuff that you just sort of do because your peer group is doing. Do you think that is at play? I think there probably is a little bit of revenge spending when it comes to more of that experiential spending. So when it comes to travel, sort of picking up those vacations that you weren't able to take because of lockdowns, because you were worried potentially about getting sick because of the restrictions. I think there's more revenge spending in travel and leisure and entertainment, whether it's the concerts that we saw over the summer with Beyonce and Taylor Swift and going to the movie theaters again, more so than in goods. Um, I think the goods is more resilience and that experience spend is potentially still some revenge spending, some I've got to get back some normalcy, things that... Um, I missed out on during the pandemic that YOLO spending, I think, is very prevalent, especially with the younger consumers. Yeah, well, and and the TSA numbers are showing that. Concerts are showing that. I mean, Taylor Swift has driven economies of local communities (laughs) across the nation. It's amazing. Amazing. So one of the other things that we've been hearing, we hear it from companies and then it starts to hit the headlines, right? Things about the consumer doing this trading down. So the idea of having shopped at higher price retailers before, now trading down, an example of that might be something like having shopped at Target and now trading down to Dollar Tree. So we were hearing that from some companies in Q3 earnings. Are you hearing that as well? Is that consistent with what you're hearing from companies directly? I think in some categories, I think in consumable categories, whether that's food or um, potentially some um, household products. So I do think you are seeing, I mean, the Walmart CFO has told me quarter after quarter that they are seeing households with incomes of $100,000 or more continuing to shop their stores in higher numbers than they have seen in the past, and they're staying with them. And that sort of gateway product is grocery for, for Walmart in that case. I think what is a little different, and this may be starting to change, is post-financial crisis, sort of during and post-financial crisis, we saw the dollar stores become beneficiaries of the fill-in trip where consumers maybe weren't ready to buy an entire basket of grocery for a week, but they would go to the dollar stores to grab the basic foods um, or basic household essentials. It hasn't seemed to pick up as much, um, but I think that could potentially be changing when you're talking about the trade down. And I think even within retailers, you're seeing trade down. We've heard retailers talk about their own private label goods, Largely, again, these consumable products where consumers, instead of buying the Tyson chicken, are buying, you know, the private label chicken that's been produced by the retailer, whether it's a grocery store or a retailer like Walmart. And I think once consumers have tried it and realized in many cases that they cannot tell a difference, they stick with it. I think that is less of the case in things like apparel and shoots, though I think there are certain instances of it. I think it happens, this trade down is happening more in consumable goods and grocery and even within a retailer rather than trading down from a higher end retailer to a lower end retailer entirely. 
Yeah. Well, and I wonder how much of that will go away as inflation goes away. Right. And and obviously we've got this cumulative effect of inflation where prices haven't come down. They just stopped growing as fast as they were growing before. So that effect hasn't gone away yet. So one of the other big stories that I think people have tried to read into and, and tried to take cues from for what's going to happen in 2024 is inventory management at a lot of these retailers. Some of them have managed it much better than others. But the idea of inventory management isn't just what we hear in the results every quarter of, you know, we mismanaged it or we miscalculated what consumers would do or consumers change their taste. It's also about the idea of retailers building up inventory because they're expecting more demand or the opposite, where they're pulling back on that inventory because they're expecting softer demand. Some of the messages that we heard again in Q3 earnings were things about retailers, maybe number one, not looking out as far as they used to. So just managing it one quarter at a time and expecting softer demand in Q4, maybe in Q1 of 2024. What's your sense of number one, how they've managed inventory? Did they get smarter by the end of this year? And number two, is it true that most of them are expecting softer demand and not building up as much inventory? So I definitely think it is a fair statement to say that inventories are in better shape than they have been in the last couple of years. And I think that's a function of a couple of things. Yes, in part, I think retailers have gotten a little bit better at predicting the level of inventory needed to satisfy their sales. But we also know that the supply chain is very inefficient and all of those cracks came to the surface during the pandemic and retailers overordered, got in a bunch of inventory that then they had to get rid of. So when you're looking at those comparative numbers for the most recent earnings reports in Q3, almost all of them. I think I, off the top of my head, I feel like there was one retailer potentially that had higher inventory levels than the year before. They've all really managed down. And I was speaking to a CEO of a toy manufacturer who told me, by and large, the supply chain has normalized. He manufactures toys and then sells them to individual retailers, whether that's a, a Walmart or an individual toy store. And he said that most of his orders for the holidays, and toys obviously very important for the for the holidays, he feels the orders have been fairly conservative and said that if the retailers that are selling the goods do end up needing more inventory, he can get it to them very quickly, that he has brought it onto the shore here overseas, so it's within the United States, and can be delivered to them quickly. So he thinks it is normalized with the ability to get it quickly and also the cost at which those goods are delivered, but also that retailers have been fairly conservative because to your point, I do believe that retailers are cautious about their expectations for the holiday season here and then potentially into next year because the consumer backdrop on paper seems to suggest we are under so much pressure yet the consumer continues to surprise us. And so I think not only are holiday sales going to be okay this year, they may not be awesome, but I think they'll be okay. I think margins will be intact too, because I don't think retailers have overordered their inventory. So I don't think that there will be a very big need to slash a lot of prices 
towards the end in an unplanned way, right? We never know what retailers' plans are exactly for pricing. We almost can always expect some good sales at the beginning of the season with Black Friday and Cyber Monday, and then also towards the end of the season. But if you see a retailer that has a 50% off offer, that doesn't necessarily mean that wasn't part of their plan all along. We just are not always privy uh, to that information. But I do think that margins will hold up as they did in the third quarter, while the expectations for the fourth quarter were largely muted across the board, the third quarter was quite strong, particularly in profitability for most retailers. Let's dig into holiday spending this year. You Part of your job, part of what you do is you actually go out into malls, out to stores, and you're there on the ground seeing the foot traffic. I think everybody knows that e-commerce has really taken center stage as far as holiday spending goes, but in person still occurs, right? I was out and about the weekend after Black Friday, not on Black Friday, but the weekend after, I felt like it was quiet. I was in New York City. I felt like it was quiet. But then the numbers came out and people had obviously shopped. So what was your sense in person of what was going on? And then the other piece of that is, do you feel like the promotions for Black Friday and Cyber Monday, because the story was that the promotions were more aggressive this year. Do you feel like that was the case or is this just, do we say this every year? Do we say, oh my gosh, it started earlier. Oh, they were strong. Is this just, we we have short memories? So I think it's important to remember that as much attention as e-commerce gets, the majority of retail sales are still done in physical stores. And so over time, like anything that starts as a smaller business, the growth numbers are big and over time it gets smaller. So to be fair, e-commerce is still growing, but at a lower or slower rate than it was at one point. Well, we saw foot traffic in a lot of the stores from companies that have analytics that are literally paid to do this um, much stronger than they expected from Sensormatic, from Retail Next. And then even the retailers themselves seemed anecdotally without sharing a lot of information to be more encouraged by what they saw on that first big weekend when it came to foot traffic. Different areas of the country are going to have sort of different sorts of reaction to these things. I live in New York City, but I grew up in Ohio. I can tell you Black Friday is a really big deal in Ohio. And some of the numbers bore that out this year again regionally, that for the Midwest, Black Friday is a huge deal. People go out. They shop, they stay out, they go to lunch, they go to the movies. It becomes sort of an experiential day for the family and there is spending. Maybe it's not always on goods, but it is on other things. And so I think the start to the season has been stronger than expected, both in-store and online. And I think most consumers these days will do a combination of both, which is why now the National Retail Federation over the last several years has changed the way that they track and predict retail spending, which is why it's very hard to compare it back even 10 years because the metrics at which they measure have changed because of all the blended shopping we do. So in many cases, consumers have done the pre-shopping in advance on the app or on the website. They know what they want and they're very targeted if indeed they finish that shopping trip at the mall. So they may spend less time there because they know what they're after, but conversion is up. 
And so that's very valuable to a retailer. And of course, over time, the e-commerce experience for the retailer or the the e-commerce business model has gotten um, less expensive. Um, And because that, of course, is sort of the startup business when you bolted on to this traditional retailer where it was cheaper to sell that same sweater in store than it was online. But that is coming more in equilibrium for many retailers. And especially as they're using this omni-channel strategy more. And sometimes orders are fulfilled from the store and that is considerably cheaper for a retailer to do because that last mile delivery is the most expensive. So if that item is available to a shopper much closer uh, in a store rather than a distribution center, that can be really helpful. And then the question about the discounts, again, it's always so hard to say in a general sense. One of the data points that I felt most confident with suggested that the average discount was around 30 to 35%, which doesn't sound super aggressive, but then a lot of the department stores and apparel retailers in that same survey data set were skewing more like 50, 55% off. So that's going to be higher. But a category like electronics, while there may be one or two items that are very discounted, discounted more like 20%. Um, But then you look at a category like toys, which is really important during this holiday season. And for the most recent CPI report, at least, if you look at that toy category overall, I believe prices were down about 3% from last year. So they're already a little bit lower in some categories. So again, it's so hard to put a generalization on it, but also because retailers' margins are a little stronger and they're in better shape and the pandemic gave them a chance to really get their house in order, whether they wanted to or not. I think they were in better shape to offer those promotions and plan for it as opposed to a fire sale panic promotion. We have to slash prices to get people to come out to our stores. People were ready to shop this year. Quick, quick tack on question to that. So rather than it just being about how much typical promotions are versus what they're, what they look like this year, I also feel like there are some retailers, and these are more specialty retailers, that don't ever discount their products. You never get a sale, right? And there are certain brands, I won't mention them, there are certain brands that I buy that it's so frustrating because it's like everybody else is running a sale and I just want this one thing and it never goes on sale. This year, I felt like I started to see sales from those retailers, from some of those that don't ever cut prices. There were sales and they were brief. And they were good, but it was like, if you missed that 24-hour period, you were, you know, out of luck. But still, it, I think that is an indicator too. And I wonder how much we're going to see that from some of the higher end, the luxury brands, the ones that never usually discount. Yes, absolutely. I think that's a really good observation. Um, and I'm not privy to their exact strategy, but part of that, I think too, is it's what continues to make Black Friday special. And I know that sounds a little mm-hmm. silly and a little trite, but when you have retailers like Amazon coming up with their own holidays, call it, you know, Prime Day or whatever the case may be to try to get shoppers to shop, and it works. Um, we can see from the numbers, they get it. Other retailers get a halo effect. There is something somewhat sacred in retail about Black Friday. So even if you don't normally offer sales, you might want to tip your toe in the water just because you can't almost can't help yourself. You have to be a part of it. Maybe it means you attract a consumer you haven't been able to attract before. And even if it's that one item, that one time you got the sale and you got it early, which is also potentially important this year with the elongated season because of how early Thanksgiving fell. 
Yeah. Well, it's that scarcity effect, right? Just yep. scarcity of the sale. I grew up in the Midwest too. I'm a Wisconsin gal and Black Friday is an event. I it mean, is. People plant, they get up at 3 a.m. They are out there. It's a, a day-long thing. It's almost a celebration. Nobody even cares that they have to wait in line. That's the whole fun of it. Yep. I, 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 I <laughs> totally did it. get it. I did it as a child. I mean, mm-hmm. I say as a child, I guess, until until I until I moved out on my own and moved here to New York. But I did it every year. Got up with my, my mom and my aunts and my female cousins, and we would be targeted in the morning to get whatever oh, yeah. hot electronic item typically for my brother would be. we check that off the list, and the rest of the day, we would shop for ourselves, try to fill our list, but it was sort of a a first target and then leisure shopping for the rest of the day. And then lunch and a movie, you know, whatever, whatever came our way. Yep. So are there, you mentioned electronics, are there certain product types or their categories this year that are hitting it out of the park that are just, that's the thing people want. They got to have it. They're spending up for it. They're waiting in line for it. It's on back order. Are there things like that out there that consumers are after, and then other things that are suffering, I guess, as a result. I mean, the one category that just seems to be hitting on all cylinders this entire year, including holiday, is beauty. Uh, The numbers Mm -hmm. that we've seen for in-store beauty, whether it's traffic or sales, and whether it's a retailer that sells only beauty, like a Ulta or Sephora, or a retailer like a Macy's that sells many categories, including beauty and fragrances, That is what everybody is after. And it's seeming to skew younger and younger. Younger people are really caring a lot about skincare, um, fragrance. We've even seen it from a number of surveys. The Piper Sandler biannual teen survey was showing the increase, double-digit increase in beauty spending for teens that only have so much spending power anyways. We're seeing males care a lot more about beauty products and cosmetics, skincare. I mean, that just seems to be hit it out of the park. So that is one of the top items, either for self-gifting, because a lot of people take advantage of those Black Friday deals to stock Uh up on that stuff that they use throughout the whole year that's a little bit more expensive, perhaps. But oh my gosh, to your point, it's on sale this one time during the year. I'm going to stock up on it. And then also it's often a great gift, um, an item like that. And so that is a sort of a small splurgy luxury that a lot of people are either buying for themselves or for their loved ones. So that's hitting it out of the park. I am always surprised every year that gift cards end up being such a hot commodity. It feels like a not very thoughtful gift to me to give to someone. But then on the flip side, if someone gives me a gift card, I'm very thankful. So I think I need to reframe the way I think about it personally, because it is almost always the number one or number two category gift cards. And what I find interesting about that, as I'm sure you know, Liz, is that a retailer is happy to sell you a gift card, but they do really want you to cash that in because you can't recognize that revenue until it gets cashed in. And so I think that is also a very interesting part of the holiday because it's not something that really ends up getting included until potentially sometime later. Um, and then and then apparel, it sounds like a throwaway answer, but it's true. I mean, think about, has there ever been a holiday where you haven't gotten a piece of clothing um, that is usually the top item? So it's apparel, gift cards, but health and beauty as a category has really grown exponentially this year over last year going into the holiday or otherwise. And we're seeing it bear out in early data from traffic and numbers. And they don't even have to discount that much. 15% maybe, and maybe you missed the discount, but you always buy your mom perfume for Christmas. So you're going to get it this year too. Yep. 
actually, I bought myself perfume. There you a go. huge bottle of perfume on Black Friday. I know a 10-year-old girl who has a list of things that she wants. I think four of the five are beauty items. Right. And she's 10. And she's 10. I know. And she, and like the brands and the the specificity of, you know, the shade and what type it is and all of it. I'd like, how do you even know how to use that? Absolutely. <laughs> I feel like I need advice from, um, you know, mm-hmm. so some of my friend's children that are, that are experimenting and know all of these new emerging brands and, I'm still using the ones I've used for years. <laughs> but yep. maybe I Same should here. learn Same some here. new well, And then I go to tips. the store and I'm like, hey, where's that counter? Oh, the, it wasn't selling very well. I'm like, but I'm I'm the one. I'm the one that's buying it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> anyway, we're too old. I think we're, I think we're so aging too. ourselves now. We gotta we gotta find some younger friends. I agree. Um, okay, so uh, one last question on macro stuff. Because I think about this a lot. Obviously, I'm a macro strategist, so this is I get obsessed with this kind of thing. We hear about record sales on Black Friday after we've had inflation for two years. So to me, if we're doing sales in dollar amounts and saying, oh, it was a new record. Well, of course it was because prices were higher. So to get the same amount of goods, people had to spend more money. Was it really a record sale number or was it just that prices are higher so more money went out the door? So it's a great question. And again, it's somewhat category specific. So I will say that Adobe, which is the sort of main analytics most of us use for the e-commerce numbers, says that for the last 14 months, for the retail sales that they track, and it's millions or billions of transactions, so this is a, a significant sample size, that prices have fallen for Adobe Analytics retail sale prices every month for the last 14 months. And that for the last full month that they had, which was October, those retail prices were down 6% from the previous October. I talked to you earlier about toys. Toy prices are down 3% from last year. A lot of apparel prices have fallen as well. Over time, apparel has also been sort of a deflationary category because of it, it's gotten more efficient and less expensive, frankly, to produce it overseas in many cases. And so it depends. And that's why Adobe says, look, our numbers are not inflation adjusted. But if they were, they would be even stronger. MasterCard also said their numbers are not inflation adjusted, but they also believe that the majority of goods in the categories that they track have seen their prices fall. So I'm not saying it's it's just not going up as much as it was. And in some categories, they have fallen. So I think it's an excellent question. I think it's very hard to say overall, but I think in some cases, we can point to sales getting stronger but not across the board. We are also seeing the the total value of the transaction going up, but the units per transaction going down in some cases. And so I think that is also valuable to discern. It's hard right now to totally tease it out and get one broad-based answer, but those are the data points that we have right now to try to do our best to determine, is it sales strength or is it still from inflation? Yeah. In the toy category, well, first of all, I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there who are going to listen to this and say, where are they selling for 3% less? Because I feel like I spend more money every year on toys. But in the toy category, are there certain types of toys that, you know, there's always like a a big thing every year that every kid wants. Maybe that's beauty this year, but it's Legos or whatever it is. Is there a certain type of toy that defies all odds? Every kid has to have it. Anybody will pay up to get it. I mean, it's funny when when I did my my hot toy sort of data analysis year going into the holiday season, nostalgia 
sort of was mm. the the overarching theme. So it wasn't necessarily a brand new toy, but maybe maybe a new type of toy with an old theme. I mean, St- Super Mario Brothers, Barbie, Lego, Spider-Man, things that have been around for a really long time continue to be hot sellers. Early on, we have seen some indication that Barbie is continuing to be hot. Potentially, that's the halo from the movie. Now, look, Barbie Barbie sales are not as strong as they once were. They are far from their peak. But it does seem like right now, Barbie is having a moment. The Barbie dream house was sort of on every top seller list. Most of the retailers are selling it. It's 199 bucks. That's not an inexpensive item. Um, another item that that I happen to have just honed in on because I did a specific story on it, which maybe will maybe will be out by the time we do this. Um, but two years ago, we followed a, the, a Care Bear through the supply chain um, and sort of went through why it was priced the way it was priced because of everything that was taking longer and costing more. And this year, uh, we are revisiting that Care Bear story. I say we because I'm doing it with some of my CNBC colleagues, and we're going to do it all along the way of the supply chain. And um, back when we did it in October of 2021, the Care Bear was most of the time at retail stores priced around $20. And now most places, it's around $15. So there's one example of a toy that has, it hasn't changed, um, but it has gotten less expensive because of the manufacturing costs, the transportation costs have gotten lower, and the retailers are choosing to pass along those savings to the consumer. So not a lot of tech in a Care Bear. I had a Care Bear as a kid. Yeah. They've changed a little. <laughs> I had a lot of Care yeah, Bears. They've changed a little bit in the way they look, but it's still a Care Bear. And that's one example I can tell you of a product yeah. that has seen its price fallen over the last two years. Well, I like the nostalgia. Yeah. I mean, all the toys that we had, right? Like Care Bears. I had a uh, Light Bright. What oh, are we yes, having the Light sure. Bright? Do they still do that? Yeah, I think they still do Light Bright and um, Etch-A-Sketch. My son has a little Etch-A-Sketch. Yeah. He's three, so. I mean, I wasn't good at it, but no, I had No one, one is. No right? one is. Can't quite yeah. figure it out. Gets a little frustrated, but it's still there, you know? <laughs> well, they make those really mini, those little tiny Etch-A-Sketches. Yes. I don't know what you're supposed to do with that thing. Exactly. Okay, um, let's talk stocks just for a second, and then we'll wrap this up. Retail stocks as a group. I'm just going to talk about the the group. There's an ETF that tracks them. There's also obviously an index that tracks them. They had a really tough August, September, October as the market corrected. Whether that was rate sensitivity or just risk-off behavior doesn't necessarily matter now. But they've had a pretty big resurgence. They've participated in this recent rally. A lot of people look to them as a cyclical indicator. Do you think that this recent move is actually a cyclical indicator or is this just the rate move that a lot of other stocks have benefited from and just risk on, risk appetite returning to the scene? That's, an, that's a really good question. Um, I don't mean to skirt it, but, but I will say I think it, it potentially could be a little bit of both. Um, when this most recent round of earnings came in, the third quarter for most retailers in a grid in which I track and almost make a heat map for myself where I color the boxes green and red just to try to just quite literally get a visual of like, was this season good or bad? And most of it was green, um, particularly when you're looking at the third quarter, which I think came in better than expected for many retailers. Again, cautious commentary going into the fourth quarter But to be fair, the commentary has been cautious most of this year. So 
I don't know if you're a retail investor and we are not allowed to trade stocks as uh, I'll just put that out there. We're not allowed to trade stocks as CNBC employees, but perhaps you might be looking at this as, look, all these retailers kept giving me all of this caution, but they keep delivering, you know, fool me once. Maybe, maybe it's time to dip my toe in. And my colleague, Mike Santoli, always talks about how much the market cap has shrunk for so many of these retail stocks. Um, and so potentially that's part of it. But look, you know, I've seen Nordstrom put up kind of a crummy, a crummy quarter with also not the best outlook. And I saw its stock move up um, in several days following that first initial reaction. Was that a clawback? Was it, we got to bring some of this back from an overreaction? I don't know. So there are some things that are obviously often unexplained when it comes to stocks. And with the retail stocks getting smaller, I think some of those swings get bigger, especially here towards the end of the year, when there's just a lot of prognosticating about what's actually going on. If I remember correctly, I think at least like month to date, or, or at least the month of November, let's say, um, the iBuy ETF, which obviously skews more e-commerce, was outperforming the XRT, which is sort of a, a bunch of different retail names, which, which sort of lines up with, again, what we're talking about with the strength of e-commerce. And to be fair, we know more about e-commerce because of the available analytics that even I, as a reporter, am able to gather from companies like Salesforce, uh, Critio. Obviously, Adobe puts puts numbers out widely, but other numbers, I, I speak with a bunch of even third-party logistics providers that fulfill orders for retailers. They're fulfilling online orders. They, they have access to the online numbers more so than the in-store. And so perhaps that story is a little more transparent. And that's why some of those stocks get a little bit more traction from the educated investor. Yeah, transparency is the word of the day. Okay, we're going to do a, a hot minute. I'm going to ask you three questions. It's like a lightning round. The quickest answer that you have, you can make it a one-word answer. It doesn't matter to me. Some people make it a 75-word answer. That's up to them. <laughs> I'll try not to. You can, make, you can make it a one-word answer if you want to. All right, first question is, what's more important, Black Friday or Cyber Monday? Black Friday. Will big box brick-and-mortar stores become a thing of the past? No. Oh, wow. <laughs> Who will be the biggest winner in retail this year? Ooh. Uh, I'm going to say off-price retail. Off-price? Does that mean like, so that's like trading t- down? T- Is that that means like down? TJ Maxx and Ross stores. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Some consumers have traded down, but after the financial crisis, some consumers trade down and they stayed there because they liked the value. They liked the quality. They have sort of beaten all odds. They don't often tell us much beyond their quarters. They just have quiet success and they just keep running higher. And I think they are taking share from retailers like Target and Kohl's. Wow. Wow. Okay, great. Well, this has been amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us today, sharing your expertise, sharing your data. I think that this is probably going to be one of my favorite episodes of the year. (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on. And we hope to have you back again, maybe next year for holiday shopping. Yes. Well, that's that's kind of you. You obviously know a lot. So it's a nice, a nice conversation to have with uh, someone that is involved and interested and has, has access to the information and data as well. So it can be a nice conversation. Yeah. Great. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. What a great wrap up to the year. And honestly, a lot more positive than maybe I was expecting. The biggest takeaway 
for the holiday season. I mean, obviously, the consumer has been resilient this year, but remains resilient. And we've got some other things that we talked about, too, that surprised me. Inventory was a big story of 2023, and retailers hadn't managed inventory levels very well. Courtney's take was that they've done a lot of remanagement of inventory, so there's not too much to clear out anymore. So if there's concerns out there about inventory being a drag, perhaps a little bit overblown. Uh, In the lightning round, she answered me very definitively, brick and mortar stores are here to stay. So after all of this chatter that e-commerce was taking over and brick and mortar was going to go away, her take is that they're not going anywhere. And another thing that I found very surprising in the data that she uses, some of the prices, especially in toys, some of the prices are actually down this season over last year. And that's after a year of, as we know, continued inflation. Now, inflation has slowed growing, but it hasn't deflated. We haven't seen any negative prints. So good to hear that some of those prices are actually down, hopefully taking some pressure off the consumer. I look so much forward to seeing all of you again as listeners in 2024. The next episode that you will get from us is an Outlook episode. Have a wonderful holiday season and we'll see you next year. For more from me, read my weekly column every Thursday on the SoFi blog or follow me on X, formerly known as Twitter, at Liz Youngstrat. Tune in to the SoFi Daily podcast for five-minute daily episodes covering the top business, economic, and stock market news you need to start your day. The SoFi Daily pod is available on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, don't forget to check out the SoFi Daily newsletter. You can sign up for the SoFi Daily to receive the latest financial news in your inbox every day. The Important Part is produced by SoFi in partnership with Pod People. Special thanks to our production team, Sarah Lee Kane, our producer, Brian Rivers, our production manager, and Carter Wogan, our editor and sound engineer. SoFi can't guarantee future financial performance and past performance is no guarantee. This podcast should be used for informational purposes only and not deemed as a recommendation. Our automated investing is via SoFi Wealth, LLC, and is a registered investment advisor. Our active investing is via SoFi Securities, LLC, member FINRA SIPC. For additional disclosures related to the SoFi Invest platforms, please visit sofi.com slash legal. Hold up. 